0: to you dead in front of a dead studio audience 31 days 31 podcasts it's helpful snowman Podoween 2023 all right everybody welcome to uh today's pottaween where we're talking about halloween specials this one's not so much a halloween special but a, a television program that, you know, I picked, a, uh, I picked an episode of because it's Freddy's Nightmares, which was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the TV series. Because, you know, I guess at that time they were just like, you know how you make money off something is you make it a TV series. And if it's a big hit, I guess, I guess maybe that's where some of the money was at. Um, so, of course, you know, with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street being a thing, they made a series. Let's see. I didn't even bother to look. Nightmare on Elm Street series. Um, I wanted to see like when, uh, okay, hold on. TV series. So This was in 1988, which would have been right after Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which was a pretty good one. And before Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, which is okay. But before Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, which is probably the low point of the series, to be honest. Um, So I guess that kind of makes sense. That they would, like, uh, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Spin it off that way, maybe? That they would kind of go down that route? I mean, ugh, yikes. Yikes. So I, I just also, while we're on the topic, I wanted to do, uh, look at some other things there were. So in other media, Nightmare on Elm Street, we had some novels. Uh, between 1987 and 2003, which is a lot of, str- of a stretch, Freddy Krueger appeared in the novelization for each film, which is kind of boring, Right. A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, though, does not follow the respective film, instead utilizing the same plot elements to tell a different story altogether. This novel also provides a different backstory for Freddy. That's kind of interesting. Um, there was also in 1992 a company released adaptations of their own for the first six films. Like, why the fuck not? But each one was under 100 pages, which is pretty good. They also did a uh, West Craven's New Nightmare and Freddy vs. Jason, which is weird. Oh, and the Freddy vs. Jason novel contains a different ending than the movie. The, you're not going to tell me what the ending is of the novel instead of the movie? That's fucked up. Uh, they were, Of course, there are some comic books, which, you know, big surprise. Great documentary, Never Sleep Again, The Elm Street Legacy. That was a good one, by the way. Merchandise video games. The NES Nightmare on Elm Street, which I think we all remember. And A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, player chooses to play as Kincaid, Kristen Parker, Will, Nancy, or Taryn on a quest to save Joey and defeat Freddy. Mm, that sounds okay. That sounds alright. So Friday the 13th, the series. Uh, well, it started in 87 and it actually ran all the way up through... Or I'm sorry, that's a different thing I'm looking at. I'm a mess right now, everybody. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to cut down my caffeine consumption a little bit from by ten percent, and it's like you know what, what the secret is. I think to cutting down is uh, someone doing it for you and not telling you, and then you just you know you didn't know it was happening, and then it's too late. <laughs> it's like I want to start some kind of service that does this. That's basically someone will break into your house and, like, help break your bad habits by doing something like putting 10% decaf into your coffee. Uh, so then you don't even know. But uh, then you go, you go grind up those beans, and there you are. So anyway, um, there was also a TV series from 2005 called A Nightmare on Elm Street, Real Nightmares. Um, it's a game show where Freddy hosts and challenges contestants to face their fears. Uh, Basically, it's a fucking, uh, what do you call it? Fear factor, right? So, anyway, let's talk about Nightmare on Elm Street, the series. In the first episode, No More Mr. Nice Guy. So it starts out, and it's kind of Freddy introducing it as like a a Twilight Zone, or a Tales from the Crypt, and Freddy's the Crypt Keeper. And he's like, this is a bunch of nightmares. Uh, But this first one is my nightmare. And I was like, "Eh, okay. I think what happened here is we actually get the first sort of definitive origin of Freddy, which I'm not sure is canonical or not. But here's what happens. Um, Freddy was a child murderer. And there's a lot of talk about this because I think what happened, if I understand correctly, is that it was heavily implied that Freddy was a, a child molester slash murderer. But in the movies, they just made him a child murderer, basically, um, and didn't really talk about him molesting kids, which, in my opinion, is not a terrible choice because uh, considering where the series eventually goes, it's like, you know, it's hard. To, it's, <laughs> there's this thing in horror. All right, let's, let's do a, a little side tangent here. So for my job, I do e-marketing for the library. And I decided to, um, I created these fake posters for the library, social media that are like, uh, this patron's basically, don't check out to this patron, or be aware, this patron's been banned from the library, and it's a bunch of horror movie characters, right? And uh, so you've got Jason, you've got Freddy, and you know, Freddy's poster is about like, He keeps returning items that are fire damaged and also when he's confronted about his behavior makes liberal use of the B word in an unacceptable way. So just little inside jokes about these different horror characters, right? And I used Candyman for one of them, and it was like, uh, this patron's not welcome in the library because he keeps trying to bring in a bunch of bees and insisting that they're service animals. So this is kind of a joke because um people try and bring in animals to the library all the time and they're like, Oh, it's a service dog. But, uh, you know, people don't know that there's a difference between an emotional support animal and a service dog because emotional support animals are not, uh, covered by ADA. And that's a big deal because I just saw a thing and it's, so it's a Facebook group that I joined because I was invited as part of this work thing And it was like a local area basically helping each other out kind of uh, page. And I was like, I mean, I'll look at it. Sure, I'll take the invite and see what it is. And they were talking about a guy who I think is homeless and he's living somewhere with, and he has a dog with him and is trying to get a bus ticket somewhere. And people were like, oh, let's get him a bus ticket. And someone else was like, what about his dog? And they were like, just have pay, let's pay for it to get certified as an emotional support, whatever. And I was so tempted to get on there, but I was like, you know what, I'm not going to get involved in this, but like, um, like Greyhound, for example, does not allow emotional support animals to be on the bus. And I think that's what most people don't know is you can't, uh, get your animal certified as an emotional support animal and then, uh, have it be a forced thing. So it's like your dog has to be trained to do a specific task. Um, And that's what it has, you know, and and emotional support is not a specific task. And it's, it's kind of gross because people bring in dogs like this all the time, right? They bring in a dog and they're like, oh, you can't, well, you know, you know, the person doesn't actually have a disability because when you ask them, there's like two questions you can ask them. And one of them is what task is this dog's trained to perform? And it's, um, they'll be like, you can't ask me that. And it's like, 100% yes, you can. And people who have a disability know this. Um, so you, you can ask the question and it's kind of like the first sign that somebody, well, the first sign is usually that the dog does not behave like a dog who's been trained as a service animal because service animals, you know, are generally, better behaved on a leash and stuff like that than non-service animals. Even if it's a dog that's not, like, a guide dog, it's definitely trained to not really pay attention to other people and to just stay with its owner. And if it's, like, tugging on the leash, you know something is up, right? Um. Anyway, so it's kind of a joke because recently, the not recently, but over the last maybe five years or so, the library... For a while, one of the libraries was just letting animals come in. And then it was like, all right, we're not doing this anymore. Part of this was because um, we had a janitor who worked at our library and he would clean, you know, after hours and he would bring his dog with him a lot, which was fine, except his dog more than once took a huge dump in the library. And, you know, he didn't know because the dog would like go off in the stacks and children's. And it was a big dog. So then the dump was like a human-sized dump. So for a while, people were like, who is taking shits in the library? But I I went in one time fairly early on a Sunday, and he was in there with the dog, and the dog was like over in in the area. And then we did find a dump that day, and I was like, okay. So we found this dump like maybe a half hour after opening on a Sunday when it wasn't super busy. And there did happen to be this dog here. I think I've solved the mystery. Anyway, let's just all go back around. So, you know, the, the joke of Candyman insisting that bees are a support animal, uh, you know, or a service animal is hilarious. So anyway, um, I, I thought about it for a while. I was like, should I put up a Candyman one? Because I was like, you know, uh, Candyman has this sort of racially charged backstory, as to his origin and stuff like that. And I was like, should he be up there? And I was like, I could see somebody complaining about it and being like, you're making light of this thing, but you know, it's not to be making light taken lightly, especially because I was like, well, if you watched the newer candy man, I think that's a lot more explicit, but you know, the picture I used was 1993 Candyman, And also that's my Candyman, by the way. But, You know, my thought on it was like, you know, I think that it should go up. And the reason I think it should go up is because I think that there aren't a lot of like uh, black horror icons. Okay, like I know there are some, but also a lot more of the black characters who are present in horror are the heroes of the story, not the villains. And this is kind of the weird thing. And where it comes back to Freddy's nightmares and not him not being a child monster. <laughs> the weird thing is that in horror, the, the icons of each horror franchise are usually the villains, right? Like, Freddy is the iconic character. None of the—Nancy is not an iconic character, really. Um, which of Jason's victims is the most iconic? You know, Tommy Jarvis, probably? Uh, What's-his-face weirdo? from Back to the Future guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, there aren't a ton of, like, iconic uh, heroes slash, you know, what is what is the name of that final girl from the first Friday the 13th? I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you most of the names of the non-Jason characters from Friday the 13th, right? And Freddy's a little bit more, like, at least there's a little bit more character to those folks, but not a ton. You know, I think Kincaid is the uh, black guy from Nightmare on Elm Street. Dream Warriors, probably. I think that's his name. But w- what I'm saying is, you buy a t-shirt, and on that t-shirt, if it's like a movie-based shirt, it's gonna be Freddy. It's gonna be Jason. It's gonna be Michael Myers. It's probably not gonna be Laurie Strode. That would probably be the closest to a like a uh, horror icon who's not the villain. And so I was like, you know. I think Candyman needs to be able to play along with the other horror icons. Like, I think Candyman, yes, does have this other element of uh, racial commentary. And I think Candyman deserves to be in there on the sort of Mount Rushmore of horror icons. Maybe if there's only four, not so much. But, you know, if there's like five to ten, which I was doing like 20 of these, I was like, yeah, he's got to be up there for sure. But anyway, so, you know, I was like, I think it's not just despite, it's not despite the racially charged aspect of Candyman that he needs to be there, but it's like, that's part of this character, and he's like a horror icon, so he needs to be part of the, he needs to be part of the game as well. I think that's a better way to handle it. So the way that comes around back to Freddy is like, yeah, you know, like, when you've got Freddy and you've got him doing this goofy shit later on in the in the series. Freddy has become the hero of the series. In in that he's like the recognizable character, he's the icon. He's become what people watch for. People watch Nightmare on Elm Street for Freddy. You know, maybe another good way to put this is like uh people watch Halloween for Michael Myers which is why people who don't like Halloween 3 don't like Halloween 3 cuz there's no fucking Michael Myers in it and it's like, "Well, why would that matter?" Unless he's the iconic character that people watch for. So when I say you're rooting for the horror character, I don't mean like you're rooting for him, but sometimes you are. Cuz a lot of times too they make these sort of, you know, teenagers getting killed at the lake, kind of obnoxious. And so you're like, "Eh, you know, I'm okay with this." It's pretty rare at best, they seem to be kind of a neutral character. Um, maybe with the exception of the one guy who was in the wheelchair in, what was that, two or three? And, uh, yeah, just gets, like, stabbed and then falls down the stairs in his wheelchair, and you're like, wow, I, I guess I, for some reason, thought they were gonna go a little easier on the wheelchair guy, but you're like, nope! <laughs> he can get stabbed with a fucking machete just like anybody. Um, So that all comes around to, you know, Freddy is the icon, he's the sort of quote-unquote hero of the series. He's the main character, right? He is the main character, even though in any of the individual movies he's not really the main character, he's definitely the main character of the series. And so that's the weird thing about horror, is that the the villain is the main character, and the main character being the villain isn't even in most of the movie, but that's just kind of the way it works. So, with that in mind, I think it's probably best that they didn't make him explicitly a child molester until later, which is I think when they did the remake, um, they did make that explicit, which I think was part of what sucked about it. Um, So, this episode of Freddy's Nightmares, No More Mr. Nice Guy, is kind of the origin of Freddy, which we did not need, uh, which is that, you know, he was killing kids. And then the best part is, So they have a a courtroom scene and Freddie is like in the front of the courtroom facing the the audience. And he's in a a metal box with like bars. He's in basically a portable prison cell, you know, that there's absolutely no escape from, which is kind of hilarious. And he's in there. And, you know, obviously, if he's in this fucking box, everyone is like, this is a dangerous dude. Right? Like, I don't even feel comfortable having him here handcuffed or something. He's got to be in a metal box. But so the courtroom case is very short because basically the, the attorney for the defense hands a, a folder to the judge and is like, I want to enter this as evidence. And then the judge opens it up, looks at it for two seconds and is like, the case is dismissed. And everyone's like, what the fuck? And the judge is like, well, evidence has been presented that Freddy Krueger was not read his rights when he was arrested, (laughs) which was great because at first I was like, what do you have in that folder that explains that? You know what I mean? And he's like, here it is in this folder. But also I was like, is this a real thing? Because I was like, I mean, like if I, you know, I had dozens of eyewitnesses, I have camera footage, I have everything else. And it's like, well, he wasn't read his rights. Could a criminal get off? Uh, So the first thing was the, (laughs) and they just like open the cage and he's out. And he like puts on his hat and he's like basically all but says, can't wait to get back to killing kids. (laughs) And so (laughs) I was like, okay, so the first thing was on IMDb, the goofs. Uh, It says, during the trial, the case against Freddie is dismissed because he wasn't read his rights. This would not have made the arrest illegal and would not have been cause for dismissal of the case. All it would mean is that any statement he may have made after being arrested would not be admissible in court until he was read his rights, and there was no indication that the case against him hinged on any such statement. (laughs) Which I was like, "Eh, yeah, uh, that sounds more correct. And I did some Googling and also found a pretty similar thing. Many people charged with crimes wonder whether their case will automatically be dismissed because the police officer did not read them their Miranda rights. While Miranda warnings are extremely important, an officer's failure to read them in and of itself does not result in a dismissal of criminal charges. (laughs) So I was like, oh, shit. What a goof. It was just, it's funny because it's like, you know... They had to set it up, right? They, they're trying to set it up so that Freddy gets off on a technicality, which is what causes the uh, community to go mob justice on him and uh, set him on fire and kill him, which he basically just lets them do. He's just like, yeah, go ahead, set me on fire. I'd rather burn out than fade away. Ah, ha, 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 you know, and then they s- set him on fire. And he kind of does like a, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you'd ever imagine sort of thing. Um and then he basically just starts doing Freddy Krueger stuff, you know, to especially to the cop who failed to read him the rights and ultimately set him on fire. And that's basically it. So th- here's the thing, this episode doesn't really offer a whole lot. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, well, I think we all we got we got that idea from the movies and I don't really need to see this origin laid out so plainly. And for me this is like prime example of, you know, sometimes getting the full backstory of something is really not that interesting. You know what I mean? Like sometimes the backstory is the backstory from uh the original movie, let's say, because it's less interesting than the original movie. So the movie is like, well, we have to have some backstory in here in order to explain everything. But if the backstory was the most interesting part, don't you think that would be the movie? I mean, maybe there's a reason they do this. Maybe some things happen for a reason.